0: I want you to turn to our our passage this week. Uh, You'll find it over on page 3. We're actually going to read two different passages from the prophet Micah, and then focus in on that chapter 5 passage. We're continuing in in our Advent service, getting ready for Christmas, by looking at how the Lord got his people ready for the coming of Jesus. Looking at what we're calling Christmas prophets. Four different Old Testament minor prophets that the Lord raised up and spoke his word through uh, to lay the groundwork and the promises of the coming uh, coming Messiah. We looked at Zechariah last week. This week, it's Micah. Uh, we're actually going backwards in time. Uh, so Micah lived and ministered about 200 years before Zechariah. We're now before the exile. Uh, these are the days uh, when... When Micah ministered, think of the time of King Hezekiah. Uh, these are the times when, in the world around Jerusalem, things were getting pretty tense. Uh, the great superpower was the, the brutally cruel uh, uh, kingdom of Assyria. And Assyria, the greatest and cruelest army in the world, was, was, was attacking kingdoms left and right the northern kingdom of Israel, during Micah's uh, ministry, was conquered and brutally exiled. And that same, that same cruel army and king marches on, on the southern kingdom of Judah, conquering uh, many of the major towns and cities, and even getting to the, the very walls, that are gates of Jerusalem itself. And so some of these words uh, might have been spoken at the very time when the, the armies of Assyria are right outside the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Or if not, it's about to happen very soon. Uh, So it's into these tumultuous days that Micah is called to speak God's word. So first we'll read from Micah 4 to get more of the context and then study chapter 5. So let's read God's word together. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares." and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, For and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. For all the peoples walk, uh, each in the name of its God, but we walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And just the very next chapter. "'But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor shall give birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord.' in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Let's pray for God's word. Lord, we do pray for your word to have its good effect and do its good work in our lives, that we might know you better uh, and know your salvation and your peace. Uh, Lord, for you have done it uh, and, and announce it to us, Lord, in your word this morning. For We ask it in Jesus' name. Think with me about these four words. Peaceful. Safe. Flourishing. Secure. Would you say that those words describe the world around you? Peaceful. Safe. Flourishing. Secure. Would they describe your world? you are weak or is it maybe words that are basically the opposite anxiety threat need weakness so in some ways we can relate to the the people of Micah's day when when there was threat when there was everything but what looked like safety and security it actually had a very physical form, in that, that mighty, brutal, cruel army that was coming even, even outside, surrounding the city walls. Maybe, maybe that's actually a, a good, a good uh, image, a good uh, representation of what your world feels like sometimes. It feels like a very cruel army is surrounding the city walls. Does it feel like that's, that's your life and the world around you? Um, the world even inside you? Surrounded, doesn't feel like peace, doesn't feel, feels like anxiety, threat, need, weakness. Uh, But right there, in the midst of that picture for the Israelites of Micah's day, uh, even those armies close, Micah gives this most astonishing promise from the Lord. Right, it's what we read in in chapter 4. Right, you see in that context how, how really shocking this promise would be. Um, God's saying through his prophet, there's going to come a day when when you are going to look at that sword and look at that spear and say, I can't imagine I will ever, ever, ever need this again to protect me. I'm never going to need this. Let's turn it into guarding tools. Let's let, let's garden with these things because I'm not going to need it to protect me. A day so safe and so secure that your world's so peaceful around you that that it just makes sense to just sit in your garden and enjoy the fruits of the land because you're safe and, and, there's, and there's nothing you need to do uh, to make it more peaceful and secure right? God speaks those promises and you can, you can imagine how shocking that would be to the people of Micah's day of probably saying to yourself okay, how in the world is that going to happen? Maybe, maybe that's what our hearts say as we hear that promise That that degree of peace, right, in in my world, and we might say to ourselves, okay, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, that's essentially what Micah 5 answers. Uh, God telling the people then and us today, how in the world that's going to happen? How is it that God is going to bring about this extraordinary, shocking degree of peace and safety? Micah 5 tells us. Uh, and it lays it out in the form of a form of prophecy, looking forward to what God will do. Here's how God's going to do it. Here's his plan for peace. And we'll, we'll unfold it in, in several parts. They're listed there in your bulletin. The, the first thing we realize is that God calls us to look to an unexpected place. So, uh, verse 1, or excuse me, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, o one who is to be ruler in Israel. Now, it's probably hard for us to kind of catch the, the surprise here, um, but, but Bethlehem was not exactly a significant place. That's an understatement. Uh, it, it, was, it was the most backwater, podunk little town. Um, to give you an example of this from, from scripture, uh, in, in Joshua 15, uh, so where, when God is kind of div- dividing up the land, the promised land, and Joshua 15, it goes through the territory of Judah and, and it lists like 115 different cities and villages that are going to be in this territory of Judah. And guess what doesn't make the list? Bethlehem. It's not even significant and big enough to make the top 115 list. Which, which very well might be why Micah calls it Bethlehem Ephrathah. Ephrathah is the region. Uh, so, uh, so to distinguish it from anything else that there is another Bethlehem, uh, was another one, but also to give like, okay, here's where, where you might find it. You're going to have to go to the region of Ephrathah and that's where you might come across and find this Bethlehem. It's almost how we might describe some some out of the law, out of the out of the way place. You know, where is Chatsworth? Um, it's 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 in the Pine Barrens. Like you know, it's the Chatsworth in the Pine Barrens. Just go, you might find it there. Bethlehem Ephrathah. That's kind of the idea. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. Uh, that seems to reflect that it's too small to even have a, have a, a clan where you could put together a, a group of soldiers uh, to, to muster. It's just too small for even that. Um, so Bethlehem, the very opposite of what looks like power and strength and significance. Uh, and, and Micah tells us that it's from this place that God is going to begin his plan for peace because he's going to raise up a ruler uh, from this tiny little village. Now, Bethlehem, of course, does have a history, a history that people would know, right? It's the hometown of King David. So this they would know about Judah, or about Bethlehem. And, uh, and that's certainly part of the point here, right? Raising up a ruler, a king. Oh, yeah, we know a king from David, uh, or from, from, from this place, from Bethlehem. Uh, and now God's saying, yeah, there's going to be a new king. Like David. But you, you remember how the, the connection between these, these two elements here, because David was the most unlikely choice for king, wasn't it? Remember when David was chosen? God sends Samuel to Bethlehem, this tiny little place, we know. He sends him to, to, to uh, David's household, to the house of Jesse, and God says it's going to be one of these sons of Jesse, and all the sons are lined up, and the, the obvious choices, the old. Ones, the strong ones? Nope. God says, don't you have any other sons? And there's kind of like this, oh yeah, there's the youngest, that David, you know, off with the sheep. You really want to see him? Yep. He's the one. The most unexpected choice. He's the one who gets to be king. He's the one who gets to, to go and, and, and fight for the people against the mightiest of enemy. Think Goliath. Him? Yeah, Him? And now God is saying, history is about to repeat itself. From the most unlikely of places, there's going to be God's salvation. God's king who's going to win the victory for God's people. From, from this place, right? The Messiah is going to come. Not from one of the, the great cities, not from Jerusalem or one of the other capitals of the superpowers. So you can start to imagine. Uh, in, in Jesus' own day, that scene from from Matthew that we read about the Magi, here they are in their, <laughs> their with their riches. King of the Jews, you go to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was fairly impressive at that time. Major rebuilding campaign in the years before, and so here are these uh, these these Magi with their their rich, expensive gifts, and they're walking through the impressive gates and walls of Jerusalem, and there's the mighty uh, fortress which garrisons the Roman soldiers, and there's the rebuilt and expanded temple, and they go before Herod the Great, and where's the king? And quick scramble, look at the scriptures, oh, he's not here, he's in Bethlehem. The most unexpected, and that is where God begins his plan for peace. And that's a, that's, a, that's a challenge to us, uh, an encouragement and a challenge that is, as we kind of see the armies around, see the threats around and, and within from our own struggles and sin, we, we need to realize that God challenges us. The peace is going to come from the most unexpected places. Right? Your, your heart and certainly the world around you is going to give you all sorts of suggestions about here's where you run for peace. Here's where you run for safety. And the most unexpected choice in the list is the Jesus of Bethlehem. But that's exactly where God brings his salvation and his peace. So, it's, so to really find what God promises, to really bring about, you're going to, it's going to start in the most unexpected of places. And it's going to have you, secondly, trusting in something ancient. This is... Uh, where where verse uh, 2 concludes, right? So from Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is is from of old, from ancient days. From of old, from ancient days. Uh, Scholars kind of debate, what's Micah getting at here? Uh, could it be this uh, uh, reference to the, the divinity of Jesus, that he's God the Son, uh, from ancient days, like back into eternity? The language can be used that way. Uh, or is it just describing his connection to the long line, the ancient line of David, which is probably where Micah's original audience would initially think, especially in the context of all this David stuff, Bethlehem King. Um, but actually, I, I don't think we need to choose between those. Because frequently what Old Testament prophecy does is kind of give a, a first initial uh, fulfillment and then then the, the actual uh, New Testament uh, reality kind of blows it up. And I think that's what, what you have going on here. The, the first is connected to, to David. Yeah, that this, this, this one who's going to come, this is nothing new. This is This is uh, an ancient lineage that goes all the way back to David Right, this ancient lineage is going to continue, but then the, the New Testament comes along and, and, and blows this up in fulfillment even more unexpected that the line actually goes further back than, than people might have thought. Not just back to David. This is actually one who go, whose roots go all the way back to eternity uh, because this is the eternal son. Remember how John introduces this This Bethlehem Savior, uh, it's in the beginning, was the word. All the way back, before there was anything, uh, there was God and God the Son. Uh, Right? Think of the power of that that point. All right, here's, here's people of Micah's day. There's this threat, even quite literally, surrounding the city. There's this there's this fear, no doubt, that the king on the king's on the throne, who are kings from the line of David on the throne in his day. Wow, is this is this line gonna gonna survive uh, this powerful threat? And here, God not only promises, uh, yeah, the line's gonna survive. In fact, it's gonna be this great king that God's gonna raise up from ancient of days from from God's line. But actually, it's it's more secure and more safe and bigger than you think. This is the king whose origins are from eternity past. That's the the power and the strength that comes from even this weak-looking place. So we don't want to make the mistake that the, the poverty and the apparent weakness of the Bethlehem birth implies some lack of strength. In fact, quite the opposite. It's the way God, God surprises and upends the things of this world. That from what looks like the, the, the lowest and the weakest, God brings, back, brings about uh, the mightiest of kings, the greatest of strengths, even God uh, himself. Yeah, and that's why uh, trusting in this Bethlehem king might initially look like foolishness, because it looks weak in some ways, but it's actually the wisest thing of all. Uh, because this king, his his origin, his his strength, his very existence—wow, this is goes all the way back. Uh, even even eternity itself, uh, even God Himself, uh, this king uh, is, and so we can trust him. We can rest in him. Finally, uh, so we have tr- look to an unexpected place. Trust in something ancient. Finally, uh, drawn near to the shepherd king. So then Micah goes on to describe what this Bethlehem baby will actually do when he arrives. Uh, and it's, he's going to be the shepherd king. So verse 2, From you shall come one who is uh, forth from me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. So he's going to be a ruler, a king. It's probably helpful and important to notice that from you shall come forth for me, says the Lord. This, this king is going to show up for me, God says. Uh, we, probably an important reminder that the, the one who shows up in Bethlehem is not little Santa Claus. Right? The one who shows up to give you everything on your wish list. Right? Or, or little genie in a bottle, just a rock. No, this is the one God says who shows up for me. That King Jesus arrives to bring in God's kingdom. You remember what uh, what, what Jesus himself says. Uh, here's John 4. Uh, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and, and accomplish his work. This is God raising up a king for him to accomplish his purpose and his plan. Um, which is most definitely the best thing for us, right? It's better than what we would put on our own wish list. Thankfully, God God doesn't give us what we want. He gives us something much, much better. He gives us this this shepherd king. So we go on to read and and see the blessing that this one brings with him. So verse 4. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So the ruler king is going is to shepherd God's people. Right? That's an image for the, for the king. Caring for the flock. Uh, ruling in this, in this caring, protecting, guarding uh, way. Actually, the language here uh, probably has us thinking about King David. Remember King David? He's the shepherd boy. And God takes him and says very specifically, you're going to shepherd my people Israel. And, and, and he, he does exactly what Micah describes here. He, he stands. right. Think of him before Goliath, everyone else shrinking back, falling. And here's David. He stands. Victory. And how does he do it? Well, David describes, he didn't do it ultimately with sling and stone. What does he say? He fights In the name of the Lord of hosts, which is exactly what Micah says here. Who's this shepherd that's going to come, It's going to stand and and fight in the name of the Lord. So what Micah 5 here is kind of drawing us back, oh yeah, that unexpected uh, savior of David's day. The one who fought and stood in the name of the Lord and victory came, peace came, not just for this one individual, but for the whole nation. And now God says, yep, it's going to happen again and much, much bigger king greater than David. And sure enough, we, we know where this goes. Jesus arrives and he immediately says, yeah, I'm the good shepherd. Now, the good shepherd who gathers and feeds and protects. And he comes, not with earthly weapons, right? but he fights in the name of the Lord. Uh, fights ultimately by laying down his life for the sheep. Now, there he gives his life so that all that uh, that really brings about the ugliness and threat, which is our sin and our rebellion against God. He deals with it there at the cross. He lays down his life for the sheep, and therefore we're, we're safe. Peace with God, which is the, uh, where it all comes from, uh, this peace. Uh, peace with him because the shepherd has come and laid down his life for the sheep. And Micah predicts that this, this shepherd king is going to be great to the ends of the earth. So, he's not just this, this one who's going to come, not just a rule, a ruler for Israel, but, but even for all of God's people. You might remember Jesus even says that in talking about his work as the Good Shepherd. Remember, he says, uh, Yeah, I have sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also. Right? So, not just Israel, uh, it's going to be the Gentile nations as well. Uh, God's going to gather his flock. And we know from, uh, from scriptures, yeah, he's going to work through his church. Jesus is going to work through his church to, to gather in the nations. And that probably is, is what the, the language of verse 5 and verse 6 is getting into. Kind of in Old Testament garb, uh, kind of describing what will ultimately be fulfilled in the, in the Gentile mission of the church. Jesus sending out his people, uh, who Peter even calls shepherds. Uh, leaders in the church to, to, to gather in the nations uh, God doing this work not just in Israel but even in, even in foreign lands uh, so that the, ultimately the, uh, the kingdom of God is built uh, as God spread, spreads his word now if you, if you had to kind of pull everything together what is Micah this Christmas prophet saying what is he promising God through him well, probably that beginning of verse five is, is really that is really the key summary. And he shall be their peace. This, this king's coming. He shall be their peace. That, that peace Micah is predicting, God is saying, peace is a person. Remember again where, where Micah Micah began. Uh, he, and we began pondering this, this, this promise of this unbelievable peace, right? This, this time coming when you're going to look at your sword and your spear and be like, I don't need that anymore. I'm so safe. Uh, we're just relaxing under your fig tree in your garden, right? Such peace. And how's that going to happen, we might say. And here's the ultimate answer. It's a person. The peace is a person. It's not a a zip code that you travel to. It's not something you rearrange and, and manage in your life. It's a person, which is why the peace comes when the person comes. That's why when the angels announce this person's birth, they say, don't be afraid. Peace on earth. It's that Micah promise. And the angels are, are saying, here it is. Why is it here? Because the person just arrived. Uh, peace comes because the person comes. and uh, He himself shall be their peace. You might, you might remember that, that Paul actually quotes that. It's Ephesians 2. Uh, he says, speaking of Jesus, he himself is our peace. Right. Going back, alluding to this Micah prophecy and saying, yep, it's here because Jesus has come. And he's made peace with God. And he's beginning to flesh that out in the church as there's, as there's peace between those who are different. And of course, we know where the Bible goes, that this person is gonna return again and finish the whole thing. So that the the, the external created world is gonna match that inner peace with God. So the ultimate fulfillment of the of the swords and the plowshares is going to, is the new heavens and the new earth. Right? It's because the, the person is going to show up again. And, and that day is, is promised. As Jesus Himself says, he's gonna, he's gonna come back. But we but it begins here. It begins now because uh, what the Bethlehem birth tells us is this person has arrived. And so the the peace with God that that flows into a peace within more and more, and even a peace with others, it, it's starting here because Jesus. Has arrived, uh, and and so as we face around us a world that's not perfected yet, and and maybe maybe those feelings of right the opposite words, anxiety, threat, weakness, uh, those are things we we feel and they seem they seem real. What would it look like as God's people for us to know greater and greater, not greater and greater anxiety or greater greater threat, but Greater and greater peace and security and safety. Knowing that God's going to finish it when he returns again, but knowing that, that the person has already shown up. How do, we, how do we know and live out that peace more and more? Well, it's going to, if peace is a person, it's going to mean we're going to be seeking a person and, and drawing near to a person. The eternal Lord Jesus Christ. Right or, or as uh, as we could say, we we're, we're, we seek the one who has already sought us. Or Paul puts it this way, right? We 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 press on to to grab a hold of that for which God grabbed a hold of us. Right. So we already had it, but we're, we're grabbing a hold of it. So so knowing and living in this peace is going to look like us seeking out Jesus. Maybe you say, okay, how do I seek out Jesus? Well you could put it this way. You do it in ordinary ways and some unexpected ways. So, ordinary ways, you seek out Jesus in just the ordinary spiritual disciplines, right? So, here could be an action step from this, uh, you know, recommit yourself to very ordinary spiritual disciplines. Worship on the Lord's Day, reading your Bible, praying by yourself, and praying with other believers, uh, Make those things top priority, not because kind of cold duty or I feel really guilty if I don't, but because Micah promises us peace is a person, and that person has already come, and I'm 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 seeking the one who has already sought me out, and that's how that's how you seek Jesus, in His Word as He draws near to you in His Word and in prayer. So in very ordinary places, but you also look for Jesus in unexpected places. One of the most surprising places that the Apostle Paul talks about knowing Jesus in the midst of the Christian life is knowing Jesus in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardship. He he, he talks about in, in those hardest of places... That he has a fellowship with Jesus, a a fellowship in sharing his sufferings. Uh, That that because the Christian is united to Christ, when when the Christian goes through hard things, it's never by himself. It's always connected to Jesus, uh, connected to the the sufferings of Jesus, which bring about victory uh, for his people. And so when we go through hardship, we do it connected to Jesus, and we we end up knowing Jesus better in the midst of those hard things which is the exact opposite of what we tend to think about peace. We tend to think, okay, I need more peace in my life, so when I want to go on this frantic search for getting rid of anything hard. That, isn't that where your mind goes? It's where my mind goes. Okay, I need more peace. Let's think of all the hard things and how I can frantically get rid of all of them as quickly as possible. Now, of course, if God gives you a way to, uh, to get rid of something hard that's biblical, do it. But a lot of times... Uh, a lot of times there is no getting rid of it in this fallen world. And, and the frantic search can bring about more hardship uh, than anything. And here's this good reminder that if peace really is a person, then, then knowing him in the midst of difficulty, yeah, even even the hardship, we're going we're gonna know Jesus there better. It's thinking of grabbing hold of Jesus. Because he's already sought us out. Because Micah promises this, that peace is a a person. And the person has arrived, and he's drawn near. And and by knowing him, we know know peace. Peace with God, uh, peace and and safety with our very being, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, Uh, nothing in all this world, and then knowing that the fullness of that peace is going to come and transform the world as, as the person returns. There's our hope and our joy. So let's pray for that. Father, we do thank you. And we thank you for your, your goodness. We thank you for your sure promises that you've made and, and, and are keeping in the Lord Jesus. We pray that we would know him better and better. Uh, Lord, uh, use your word, use uh, prayer, use hard things, uh, Lord, even to even to show us who he is and what he's done. And, and the peace we have in him where we ask it in Jesus' name.